Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. So if you're new here, good morning. My name is Ryan. I'm the teaching pastor, and uh, we are in a series called Living Like Jesus, and we are looking at at the aspects and at the qualities of what it means to live a life like Christ. And we wanted to really talk into this value because we have it up on our billboard. And so as long as we have, if you have something that is a phrase about your church that people see on the freeway, you should be able to articulate what does that mean? What does that look like? How, how do we actually do that? And so uh, we will also have an entire time um, after Easter where we start to look directly at what it means to love like Jesus. And so we believe that loving like Jesus is multifaceted enough that it merited its own sermon series as well. Um, and so we have a few more weeks in this living like Jesus. Um, and one of the things that we really want to do throughout this time is, is end not <clears throat> necessarily with better answers, not even with really particular application points, but what are the better questions what are some good questions? How do we look at the life of Christ in a way that draws us into awe, wonder, mystery, all of these things that people who actually walked with him experienced? They had the answers at hand, and yet when they would spend time with Christ, they would leave with better questions. And so if we, in our relationship to the text or to Christ or in prayer all of a sudden leads us to really good answers and not better questions or into a capacity to hold mystery, we should at least pause and say, like, why is it that I have, that my capacity for mystery has gotten smaller? When we get closer to Christ, our capacity for mystery gets bigger. And so I would encourage us to um, just kind of check in with yourself as we read and as we study the text, that if any time you start to feel like you're closing off or any time internally you're, you're starting to, to see other people that this text applies to, rather than placing yourself as the subject of transformation, that's something that happens in each of our own hearts. And so I would ask you to keep that part of yourself in check as we go to the text. Today, we're going to be, we're going to be in two places. And so um, <clears throat> uh, it's like a running joke at this point. But if you have your Bibles, would you turn in them to Matthew chapter 5 is going to be one place that we start. And then we're also going to be ending in John chapter 21. And so if you want to kind of put a bookmark or whatever you do for your phone to, to get to those texts quickly, um, I would love to just take a moment and pause because in this last week um, with all of the things happening with the Asbury revival and all of the opinions and things that have come up, my heart's been really heavy. Um, it's been really heavy at how quickly we are to create, create camps of people and we, we kind of split people up and we say, you're over here and we know for sure this about 
you. And so my heart's been really heavy, and it's even really heavy coming into the room. And so um, if I could just take a moment for all of us um, as well to just pray before we come to the text, that would be helpful for um, all of us. Lord, would you guide us into your wisdom for all of the anxious things that come up in our hearts that we long so much to resolve quickly, that we want to have answers to so that we can make our way out of the wilderness and out of pain and out of hurting and out of questioning, Lord, would, if, if it's in your will to rescue us up out of those places, Lord, would you do that quickly? And if not, would you expand our capacity to stay? Would you expand our capacity to hold the big things of a life with others, for others? And if we are at a place where we are feeling sh- sh- strong and good, would you open our eyes to see who we might be able to be strong for? Who needs our sh- sh- strength? Who needs the things that we have? Help us to be people that would ask that question. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So today we're talking about the gentleness of Jesus. And um, I'm not sure if you've been online lately, but gentleness is not like something that I see pop up. Or if I do, it, it, it's if, if you just want to see which YouTube links get clicked on, it's X person destroys this person in an argument or... It's, it's, that's the thing. That's the thing that gets the clicks, right? Is, is how can we overpower? And when, um, I would be very curious to see how many clicks a, a video that says a very nice, gentle conversation between two people took place this afternoon. Um, how much traction that would get? How much would people be like, ooh, I wonder how that went? Um, and so I want to look at this because being, gentle is something that is repeatedly and always talked about as a positive quality in, in, in the text. And I don't want to, to pretend also that Jesus was never able to, I'm a ninja. Did you guys see that? That was impressive. I get really amazed whenever I drop something and then I catch it. I'm like, that's, you're incredible. You're really, that's amazing. So, um, there is, there's an aspect where I don't want anyone to hear that I don't think Jesus was capable of taking people t- to task and saying hard things, because that's absolutely true too. But today, we are going to focus on the gentle aspects of Jesus. Um, and I want to point out a story that happened this week before we start um, that highlights how little I understand how to do this. Because I was in Costco, and I was, I was there for like five things, and I'm like, I know my route at Costco, and I get very annoyed very quickly with people who just seem to leave their cart strategically in the middle. I just don't understand why, how some people live or the way that they think. But um, I, was in the, I was in the freezer aisle, and a gentleman approached me, and he said, he said, hey, um, have you heard of uh, Have you heard of the Passover? And I was like, Yeah, I have. And I was like, I'm a pastor. And he's like, Oh, great. Can I 
I talk to you. And in my head, I have all of these like amazing stories of people who invited people in their home and they had this beautiful conversation. I was like, I'm about to be like, I'm on mission right now. I'm doing the good Christian thing. And he started going into um, how off I was because we worship on Sunday. And it was, just, and I was like, oh, I'm being sabotaged right now. <laughs> and so, but I was kind of, and something inside me switched, and I was like, it, the better version of who I am would have said, oh, I just don't think that we see it the same way, and I would have continued on. But something inside me said, oh, today you're, you're going to get all of me. <laughs> um, and so I literally, and this is not something I'm proud of, and it's like, there is a shameful aspect. It was a good 10 minute argument that w- the volume and the heat was rising to a point where after it was over and I said, I don't think we should talk anymore. And he left and he said, oh, you're the victim here and left. And I was like, oh, I was like, I was like, I'm about to lose it. And the, there were, it was so public that a person from Costco came out to me and he said, is everything okay? And I was like, oh, that was visible, huh? What was just going on? So I was not gentle. There was an aspect of like, I should have been able to tap into something in me was not convinced at that moment that I could be a gentle and everything would be okay. Like I actually believed like I need to do this to be true to something that's happening in me. And I'm not proud of it. And there's a text that we will come to that says, clothe yourself in gentleness. Be clothed in it. And I was like, oh, I definitely felt exposed. I felt shameful, even though I believed I was in the right, even though I, I was able to go back and forth. And he was like, well, what about this? And I'm like, yeah, well, what about that? And I'm like having this argument with a stranger in Costco. And, <laughs> and I'm like, what am I doing right now? And after it was over, I felt gross. I felt like I didn't tap into something about Christ that I should have in that moment because I was worried that something about me would be exposed if I did not fight. And I think that um, what we see here, and if you can turn to chapter 5 of the book of Matthew, I want to start a little bit before chapter 5 because these ermin on amount if you if I could encourage anybody like if you don't want to read anything else or you don't have capacity to read anything else if you just read the sermon on the mount every day for the rest of your life I think you would get something <laughs> I think that that would really be almost enough it's beautiful it's full it encapsulates so much um, but that's not the first thing that people knew about Christ He actually begins to preach earlier. And what happens in chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over area, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering with severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having Easers and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region uh, uh, across the 
Jordan followed him. And so he's accumulating this crowd on the reputation that he is full of power. So he's traveling, teaching. People are like, this prophet can heal. Something new is happening. And it's not just on this blank, this blank canvas either. There was a messianic expectation that the Messiah would come and it would free them from the oppression. And so when they see these things happening, their, their minds are firing. And they're like, okay, this is all starting to click as if the one that we've been hoping for is here that would free us, that would come and overthrow Rome. He has the power to heal the sick. He has the power to heal these things that nobody else has been able to. And the interesting thing about Jesus is if, he ha- if anybody ever had the ability to lean on a justified anger of people that did not understand over and over again, if there was anybody who could have justifiably stood his ground in Costco and won the argument, it would have been Jesus. <laughs> um, but the crowds gathered, right? These crowds that are urgent and anticipating longing for this person to come and say, finally, I am going to free you. Finally, all of these wrongs that have been happening to you, I will write. And says, now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek or the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. And so I want to pay attention to this question. What did Jesus do with all of his opportunities to reinforce his authority and his power? What did he do with opportunities to to reinforce? He would constantly, always, in a gentle attitude, go to the lowest places and be with people. He had every right at all points and in every turn to stand as a higher authority for people. But the movement of Christ, as we see always, is to lower himself and be with. And he would, and there was no hint at him feeling disgusted or superior. He did it with a gentle love. And so the question seems to come up for me is how are we called to embrace a Christ-like gentle heart without it turning into playing nice? Because I think all of us know anybody that has worked alongside other people, if you've ever had a co-worker or an employer where it's like they exhaust you, you know what it means to play nice. You know what it means to swallow what your opinions are to just get things done. But how can we live a counter, a counter culturally, how can we live counter culturally gentle in a way that reflects a bold gospel? Because I think that there's a gentle attitude that I could have put on 
in that conversation that I did not. And I could have participated with something countercultural in that moment, but something came up in me that I was more committed to. So how do we keep that part of us in check? I was, um, I played f- up all in high s- school, and my freshman team went, oh, and however many games are in the season. <laughs> and I don't want to put it all on our coach, but our coach was a very nice man. Um, our coach was the youth pastor of my hometown's biggest church, and so he he had a, he was on mission. He didn't want to win football games. He just wanted everyone to feel good. And so we would watch, we would watch tape of our games and it was embarrassing, but because we did not have a person who could actually like grab us and say like, we need to change how we're playing here. um, It was just like pizza and we would just be laughing at how horrible we were. And I was like, that's us on the screen. But we had committed we had resigned to the idea of ever being a good football team. We scored two touchdowns the entire year, and I think it was pity. I think that somebody called the other coach ahead of time and said, please, just give these guys. Um, but there was an aspect where I was like, I grew up, and I think that in our culture as well, we don't actually value being gentle. When I was looking up some other Ermans on this topic, some of the titles that came up was um, The Strength and Power of Gentleness, or Meekness is Not Weakness. And while I think that there is some truth in how powerful it is to be able to lean into being gentle, what struck me is that we had to brand this topic as though it is just one other way to repackage being strong. We are so afraid of being weak. We are so terrified of being taken advantage of. We are so terrified of of another person winning the argument. If I could have just been gentle, this other person may have left feeling like, I got him. But can I be okay with that happening? Or am I so terrified of being weak that I have to repackage gentleness into, oh, it's actually being strong. It's like, no, I actually think that there's, there's something that we have not yet tapped into that is okay with leaving that interaction with him feeling like he won, got me, whatever it is. I have not committed some part of my heart that actually says, that's okay. You don't have to hustle that. You don't have to fight that battle. There's a few texts that I want to point us to. The verses in Proverbs 15, verses 1 through 3. It says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge ex but the mouth of fools spurs uh, spouts of Ollie. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. Next, Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. 
Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and application with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known a God in the peace of a God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. There's a tie here that we can be gentle when we believe that the Lord is near. It says, you can be, let's go back one more to the Proverbs. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and, and the good. We can be gentle when we believe that the Lord is near. Do we believe that in our interactions at the lines at Costco, is the Lord near? Does the Lord see what's happening here? Will the Lord sort it out? Because I am telling you in that instance, the one who I really believe needed to be ordered out was not him, it was me. And had I believed that the Lord was near, I would have tapped into there's something deeper that I need to anchor myself into right now. The gentleness of Christ is more important than winning this argument. Let's go to Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit, everyone's heard this, I believe you have, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I know that being Christian is more than just not being a jerk, but it includes not being a jerk. <laughs> I think that we that obviously it's more th- more than that, but I think that we need to tap into like where am I sacrificing being a gentle because I've I've elevated some other impulse or urgency to be right, to win, whatever it is. What have I been more committed to? Where am I not a gentle with others? Where am I not a gentle with myself too? Where are you harshest? Are you harshest to others? Are you harshest to yourself? Because the Lord calls us to be a gentle there as well. And I don't think that that precludes or excludes the need to be challenged or changed. Because believe me, tapping into being gentle in that moment was not a just playing nice. That would have been a challenge for me. Colossians 3 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourself. Recognize how exposed you might feel if you take those pieces off. In our interactions with others, do we feel exposed? Do we feel seen? Do we feel ashamed? And we take off compassion or kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let's go to... I can... Timothy 2.24 says, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. 
sufficient if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. And so this leads me to the question, okay, what do we do when somebody is genuinely in the wrong? Because it's, it talks about how to actually handle our disagreements with gentleness. Let's open up Galatians 6.1 now. Um, is it up there? Yeah. Brethren, it, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. So I remember hearing a quote once that said, all my anger feels like righteous anger. I've said that up here before, but that plays in my head all the time. How much have I committed that God hates the people I hate? How much am I committed to the idea that the things that make me angry make God angry? How much have I made God in my image that he thinks the way I think? He would have stood his ground in the place that I did. He would have argued with the stranger in Costco. I guarantee that wouldn't have happened. I'm so, I was like, I can't have this happen the week I'm teaching on gentleness. Like, I, I don't want to bring something real. I wanted to bring up a fake story or a story about someone else. Um, but then I see John chapter 21. Jesus had um, res- resurrected, and he's sort of popping in, and he's making himself known to his people. And, the, and a couple of the people he had been closest to had gone back to their old profession. They're like, okay, this is, I mean, it's over. I might as well go back to being a fisherman. So it says, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Nathaniel, and the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and the other two disciples were Together, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not recognize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, answered. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and we'll find some. Does this sound familiar to any other story that we've heard about Jesus interacting with Peter when he called him? It is the exact same. He called him and he said, throw your net over the side. And so Jesus is walking out this parallel. And I think what a gentle way to show up to the people who have just abandoned you in your greatest moment of a need, who have denied that they even knew you and, and, and who had returned to their nets so quickly. He returns and he says, rather than yelling or having some moment to actually say, I am, see, I am risen, you were wrong, all of these things that Jesus could have done, he approaches and he says, I'm going to play this a game with them. I'm going to make, I'm, I'm going to draw them into re." Remembering who I am. And once they finally do, it says, Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the 
Lord. As soon as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, "It is the Lord," he wrapped his outer garment and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed. And then we're going to jump to verse fifteen. It says, "When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these?'" He said, "Yes, Lord. You know that I love you." And he said, "Feed my lambs." Again, Jesus said, "Simon, son of John, do you truly love me?" He answered, "He said, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you." He said, "Take care of my sheep." The third time he said to him, "Simon, son of." John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus, in his moment of of encountering the person who had abandoned him in his greatest moment of need, restores him to do the work of his church again shows love, shows compassion, is gentle. And are we able to see that sort of impulse in us where it seems the only thing that is valued is, is winning or is overpowering or is being, yeah, how, how is it that we have taken this and said that um, we have to repackage it as being strong? Where do we still fear being weak? Um, I sent an email to my, to my Old Testament professor, the second semester that I was in school. And I don't have it saved, which is good, because I don't want any evidence that I ever did this. <laughs> but I said, can we meet for, for coffee? Because I think you're really wrong about some stuff. <laughs> Thank you. you. You are meant to laugh at how arrogant and horrible that sounds. It's, that's the purpose of it. But I, um, so I, um, he took me to coffee and he just heard me out. He just let me explain how I thought he was way off on all these things. And I had my a Bible and I had all these notes and he just let me explore he just he he knew that there were thing that there were pieces about what I had always held to be true was kind of becoming unpicked. It was starting to get a little bit more loose, and that was very destabilizing. And so I was trying to kind of repackage it before too much of too much toothpaste got out of the tube. I was like, "Gotta get back in there." So I fought him, and I said, "I think you're wrong." And I argued, and now I was so certain, I was so sure. And he just sat there, and he embodied the gentle attitude of a person that's not threatened. Because I really believe that he knew that God was near. That when we believe and when we trust that God is near, it seems we can only be gentle when we trust that God is the only one capable of wielding judgment. We're not capable of it. We don't know how. And so vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Judgment is mine, and it's because he's the only one that knows how to handle it. And when we believe that he will handle it, when we believe that he will show up, that he will 
bring to light the things that are true and he will expose the things which are dark. When we believe he is near, we can be gentle with others. We don't need to try to enact our judgment on them. And so each week I, I have tried to draw us into asking some better questions. These are just questions that come up for me when I think about this topic. Um, again, it's, it's hard to be up here because I don't think that I do this well. And it's hard to teach, and I think that as a community, I would just hope that um, if you have really leaned into the gentle heart of Jesus, I would have much rather you come up here and teach. But um, I think that we have to expose those parts of us that say, like, I'm not there yet. Lord, see that part of me. Help me to be more gentle like you because I don't have that yet and it's and it's exposed all the time and I want to be the kind of person and I want to be in a community where we are the kind of people that would commit to spurring each other on to clothing ourselves with compassion gentleness and when we don't how do we restore each other with that heart so I've, I, was, I was just asking, here are some questions that could come up for me. You may have some others that could come up for you. If you have a question that is rising up for you, um, I would encourage you to just write that down, put it in a, a note in your phone, and pull it up throughout the week and say, am I, am I actually tackling this part of me? But I ask, where do I despise weakness in myself in others, what do I feel I would sacrifice by being a gentle toward others? Where do I feel like that would cause me to lose? So those are the questions that came up for me. I'd like to take a moment because I think that um, depending on how this hits you, um, there's a lot of times where we need to be really bold and we need to stand up for what's right and i would encourage us how how do we do that with the heart that we just read because i think that we should i don't think that we have to then become um yeah that we don't that it's that all of a sudden we have to throw away our our conviction or our passions or our cries for justice but how can we be a people that are clothed with gentle hearts. So let's take a moment and just pause. I don't, I'm not sure if you have even a moment throughout your week where you, you have a chance to just see what the Spirit might be speaking to you, what questions come up, where this might have hit you the wrong way, where there might have been too much Ryan in it, and where the Holy Spirit just needs to come and kind of clear that out. But let's take a moment and just ask God to meet us here. Lord, I just thank you that you deal with us with a a gentle heart. Thank you that in all the ways we continue to get it 
wrong, that you still restore us with love and compassion. 